Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. A life journey is a different kind of travel experience. Life is a gift that presents very rich experiences, but sometimes we take an unnecessary detour and we become lost in a densely populated forest. Our book club reading today is called Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. It was inspired by a spiritual exploration during difficult periods and experiences that the author, actress Gloria Loring, had with accidental miracles that occurred at just the right time. On one such occasion, a business card written only with the words, Expect a Miracle, mysteriously appeared on her dressing room chair. Off-screen, actress Gloria Loring has wrestled with real-life dramas, from the diagnosis of her oldest child's, her oldest child's diagnosis with a chronic illness to an unraveling marriage and professional challenges. But she has also experienced the saving grace of timely coincidences. Gloria joins us today to guide us through her compelling journey and exploration of the mystery of divine intervention. Gloria, welcome to World Footprints Radio Book Club. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to talk with you. So, have you ever discovered who left that mysterious business card with the message, Expect a Miracle? Has that ever been solved? No. I asked, um, I was on Days of Our Lives at the time, and uh, a year before that, my son, Brennan, who was four, was diagnosed with diabetes, and I promised him that I would do something to hopefully end his diabetes, or at least work on it, and so I was... um, was bound to determine to do something to raise money for diabetes research with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And when I joined Days of Our Lives, I noticed that people traded recipes. And long story short, I came up with this idea to create a Days of Our Lives celebrity cookbook. A year later, almost a year, I had everything ready to go, except I had no money to pay for the printing. I had the pictures, I had the autographs, I had the recipes from the stars, I had all the graphic design done, but no money. And I needed 40000 to print 50,000 books. And I remember thinking at the time, I didn't come this far for this to fall apart now. Something's got to happen. And something did. I came into my dressing room on a Friday morning, put my bag on the chair. There was nothing in my dressing room. Did my day's work. At the end of the day, I lifted up the bag, and there underneath was a little card that said, Expect a Miracle. Mm. And I almost threw it away. You know how you go, well, this isn't mine. You know, and I went to throw it in the trash, and it was as if it wouldn't leave my hand. Almost (laughs) as if something in me was saying, don't throw away a card that says expect a miracle. You know? (laughs) So I took it, and I threw it in my carry bag, got on a plane that night, and flew to Houston to play in the Jack Benny Memorial Class Tennis Classic the next day for diabetes research. And as I came down off the stage that night after singing my two songs as part of the celebrity show, there was a man waiting. And I proceeded to tell him about my son's diabetes, and he said, yes, he had heard, and this and that, and a little voice in my head. The inner form of coincidence is intuition. So Mm -hmm. the inner form was saying to me, tell him about the cookbook. Tell him about the cookbook. And so I finally said, and I did this cookbook, and I'm trying to raise money, and, and, but, I, but I don't have the money to pay for the printing. And he said, well, how much do you need? And I said, sort of, uh, gulp, you know, um, $40,000. And he said, well, he said, hey, girl, he said, I'll give you 10. He said, come on, let's go out in the lobby. I got some friends here tonight, and this is Texas. <laughs> I, was, I went out there. 
By the time I finished, I had almost half the money I needed. And after a year of trying, within four weeks, I had the $40,000 plus. We printed the first 50000 They sold out. We printed the second 50000 They sold out. Two years later, we did volume two. Those cookbooks raised over a million dollars for diabetes research. Mm. Now, the card... Expect a miracle didn't make the man show up in Houston. I mean, that turned up in Burbank. And whoever put it there, I don't believe it materialized, but somebody thought to put that card there. And Mm -hmm. and nobody ever fessed up. To this day, I do not know who put that card in my dressing room, but I have it framed on my office wall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I keep it close by. But more what it was for me was it was as if it were a clue to something I needed to know, because because of being raised in an alcoholic home um, where there was a lot of dysfunction and slamming doors, and not a lot, but there was some. My parents were good people. They just, you know, they were just as much a mess as anybody's parents, and more so in some ways. Um, I really thought I was alone in the world, that I had to make things happen, that I had to to push for what I wanted. I had to um, go out there and stump around, and you know. And here was this card that said. Well, expect a miracle. And the and next day, through no no uh, doing of my own, mm-hmm. except that I showed up, this man was there. And so now, you know, little did you know that how big of a role that 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 little accident that mis- you know mystery would play in your in your life. Do you you do expect a miracle every single single day now? Don't wouldn't you say? Well, I try to. Let's put it this way. I am certainly not a perfected being. My mind wanders to unfortunate happenings. Mm-hmm. Um, I do now, after 20-plus years of meditation practice, and meditation is one way to describe it. A lot of people say, oh, I can't possibly meditate. I have too many thoughts in my head. Oh, believe me, so do I. But what I've learned to do is just put them down here and there. You know, a thought comes, oh, this will never happen, and I go, oh, stop that, Gloria. Hush up. Put that down. And you just put it down because I have now for 20 years practiced putting down thoughts that come up, good thoughts, bad thoughts, indifferent thoughts, neutral thoughts. I practice almost every morning, and I try to just find that center point of stillness from mm-hmm. which all possibility comes. You see, it is from the silence that everything comes. Um, songwriters will tell you. Sometimes they work and work and work and work and work on a lyric or composers. And suddenly, like Mozart, they go for a walk. They're not thinking about everything, and everything comes and it's given. Mm-hmm. I had that happen with a song that I wrote called A Song of My Father. For weeks, I wanted to write a song about my relationship with my dad, the difficulty. I wanted it to be about forgiveness, and everything I wrote sounded trite or angry or wimpy or, you know, whatever. And I finally just thought, oh, just put it aside, Gloria. And I was on a plane, and I was meditating. I was flying somewhere, and suddenly the lines of the song came. I wanted you to be my hero. I saw the way we were as law. And and, and they just unfurled themselves line after line after line, as if someone were dictating them to me. Mm -hmm. Just because you quieted your mind. The space of silence and creativity within us connects to the deep place of all possibility, which some of us call God, some of us call creativity. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's like gravity. You know, it exists. You don't have to call it in order for it to exist. You don't have to understand it in order for it. And sometimes our understandings are very limited. So what I like to do is I like to watch for what are the coincidences, the coinciding of meaningful events that are coming into my life 
And what messages do they have for me? What clues do they have for me about the next thing I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Now, Gloria, you've described a number of transformative life experiences throughout this book. Is there one event that really inspired you to write this book? I think the one that inspired me most of all, because it was so inscrutable and so miraculous, was when I was, um, this was uh, 1984, I was married to Alan Thicke. Um, he's fabulously talented. He's an actor, a writer. He's the, the, uh, the author of, uh, co-author of my sons, co-composer of my sons, Robin Thicke and Brennan Thicke. Um, I learned so much from being married to him, but there reached a point where I knew in order for me to truly understand who I was and to, to expand myself, I needed to leave the marriage. And I secretly told him. I didn't tell anybody else because I was so, I had so much trepidation about it. I said, I, I, I need a separation. I need time to think. I just need time by myself. Because um, he was so strong in our marriage. He, he knew everything, supposedly, and I knew nothing. And that was not a good way for me as a woman to continue to live my life. And... Um, Right about that time when I told him uh, that I wanted this separation, and secretly, no one knew, a woman in Nebraska started sending me letters. And she said, I had met her briefly once at a book signing, and she had said, I will pray for you and for your son Brennan and his diabetes. And I I thought, oh, well, that's nice, you know, okay, because I wasn't somebody who prayed at that point. And now these letters started to arrive, and she said, I've been praying for you, and I hope it's not presumptuous. But um, I'm getting messages for you, and I hope you won't mind if I send them. And I opened the first one, which was on a separate piece of paper, and it literally brought me to my knees. The, the comfort of it, the graciousness, the love, the support, the encouragement. Um, I was going to strike out on my own, and mm. leaving my my marriage family was very much like the dissolution of my original family. Enormously painful, and it brought up all my childhood issues. And here I was getting these letters that said, My daughter, do not be afraid. I set you on a new path. You will not be alone. I will go with you every step of the way. I will be here to comfort you. I mean, it went on and on. And these letters, Tanya arrived for two and a half years, Mm. every month or two, and two and a half years was the exact time that it took for my divorce to become final. And then the letters ceased. Now, at the time, I didn't have a framework within which to understand where those letters were coming from, how they were coming. I didn't even ask her, how did you start writing these? What prompted you? I just thought they were letters from a woman with a deep belief in God. And then now, 14 years later, after these letters, 1998, I was starting to write these stories down. And I I wrote her, and I said, Shirley, I never asked you, how did you start writing these letters? And she said, well, you know, I've been thinking about that recently. It's interesting you would ask. Um, and she described an, an occurrence where she was driving to her Bible study, and a voice in her head said, a voice said, <laughs> uh, her head, her, her space, her consciousness, mm-hmm. you must tell Gloria that I love her and not to worry. That's a beautiful story. And, Gloria, I, I'd, I'd love to ask you to read a passage from your book, because, you know, in my reading of it, there are so many powerful 
moments that I experienced in, in, in reading, and I'd, I'd love for you to share a passage with our audience. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I wanted in writing, and the reason it took me 12 years to write this book, is because I wanted not to just tell what happened to me as if I was saying, hey, look at me, aren't I lucky? <laughs> I wanted it to be useful, beneficial, and, and practical for people reading it. And so I wanted to include the wisdom that had gotten me through to the next stage of my life. And so in Chapter 12, I begin with, years ago, I read that there are only two choices, fear and love. At the time, I thought that sounded a little simplistic, but coincidence has shown me otherwise. Fear and its minions, self-doubt, worry, anger, hate, guilt, and resentment, present a closed loop of negation, keeping us from our inner guidance and the goodness that wishes to make itself known. Love and its playmates, peace, appreciation, blessings, forgiveness, and compassion lead us toward a more stable, joy-filled life. Loving choices become self-generating. They bless the giver and the receiver. Mm, Very, very beautiful. You're listening to the World Footprints Radio Book Club. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and I'm joined by actress Gloria Loring, who just read a passage from her new book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. Where were you in your life's journey when you wrote that particular passage, Gloria? I was I was probably just a few years ago. I think the fullness and expansion of my worldview has taken a long time. And um, it's it's in these last few years. I think that's why it took me so long to write the book. I knew that I needed to find deeper and deeper and wider and more expansive ways of viewing this whole life and the way coincidence leads us on. Um, so I think it was probably just a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, mm-hmm. I had gone through the death of my mother, my father, and this last year mm-hmm. I went through the passing of my my dear sister, who was the one of the dearest people on the planet to me, other than my children. And and because of understanding the steadiness that is required um, to live a life um, beautifully, gracefully, um, I was able to show up for her time and time again and, and almost be, almost every time, be everything she needed. Uh, you know, a couple times I started to get cranky, like she called me at 2 in the morning. She stayed with me her last five and a half weeks of life. Mm-hmm. She said she needed to be somewhere peaceful. Um, and she came and she called me at 2 in the morning, and I was like, you know, as I'm going downstairs to her bedroom. And I stopped myself said, Gloria, you don't know how many more times you have to attend to her. Stop now thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. And show up and give your best. You know, because we're all human beings, and there are times we go, oh, rah, 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 you know. <laughs> sure, and sure. I love what the Dalai Lama says. He says, the tree doesn't wait to grow roots until the storm comes. And mm. the roots that I've been able to grow um, are into the deepest parts of our lives, knowing that the steadiness that I need uh, for myself, I'll also need for those around me. Because who knows what's going to happen? We're going to say goodbye to people like I did to my sis- with my sister this last year. We're going to say goodbye to aspects of self, maybe certain um, abilities, maybe certain talents, uh, usability of certain talents. Who knows what's going to happen? Indeed. Um, 
We've been talking to actress Gloria Loring about her new book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous, and we're also joined by three listener reviewers who have enjoyed reading this book and have some questions for Gloria. I'm pleased to introduce Nicole Doy-Battle, a real estate developer from Baltimore, Maryland, Danielle Johnson, an energy and environmental analyst from Richmond, Virginia, and Deborah Suttis, a university executive assistant from Lansing, Michigan. Ladies, welcome. Hello. So, life being life, very unpredictable and often challenging, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this book. And, Nicole, let's start with you. How did this book, did Gloria's book, resonate with you? Um. Oh, well, good afternoon, Gloria um, and Talia. Good it, afternoon. <laughs> I mean, your book was such a coincidence, if I can use that word. Um, Absolutely. Just, <laughs> just reading it and, you know, just looking at my life currently and just how crazy I am and, think, you know, just having the time to just stop and try to be silent and silence my mind and, reading your book, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I, I was thinking about this, or, you know, months ago or years ago or even just last week, and I just haven't done it, and it, it was almost like you, it was the, it was perfect timing to read your book, um, especially the whole thing, just hearing about your yoga experience, you know, because I was thinking, you know, I need to do something to just settle my mind, to just de-stress, to just focus. And I'm like, gosh, you know, yoga is like a block away. I need to figure out some time and just go to that class, go to that class. And then a friend visited me from California, and she, like, her first day here, she went to yoga. She's like, yeah, I got up, went to yoga, six o'clock. And then I'm like, okay, that's the second time. And, you know, you were talking about in your book about how things go in threes. And then I read your book, and I'm like, okay, darn it, I need to, (laughs) I need to do that, you know. And, um. It was just, it's a wonderful book. Um, Just your life experiences and how you were able to make the decisions that you made. I mean, it's admirable. And, you know, I'm going to use your book more of a manual (laughs) for myself just to get to where I want to be mentally, spiritually. There's there's no greater gift that... I think any of us can be given to know that what we've learned and what we've experienced and what we now know to be true can be of value to someone else. And that, again, is the reason I wrote this book. And I don't think we've mentioned this along the way, but the coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous is a quote by Albert Einstein. Yes. And so that's why I was so fascinated with that quote. That's how the book came into being, because here was an intersection of practical observation, because science is about what can we see, taste, see, um, feel, hear, etc. What can we measure? And then spiritual understanding, this idea of God, of some divine um, um, essence that inhabits ourselves and our lives. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've always loved the, the spiritual teachings, but for me it came down to, but how do I put them to use? What do they mean? on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that's what I put into this book. And to know, Nicole, that that has been valuable to you and will continue to be is just a great blessing to me. Now, uh, Deborah also, uh, I believe, actually had some questions relating just to your, your writing process and, and, and your life journey. Deborah, Hi, Gloria. It's nice to talk with you. Hello, Tanya. 
Hi, Gloria, there. My, question, hi, my question is, um, is if there's any, with the book that you wrote and, and your amazing life, if there's anything in your life that you could change, what would it be? Would you? Oh, Oh, I'm sure there are lots of things we wish we could change. Um, I wish I had been more patient, more steady, uh, less inclined to grief and rage. Um, uh, I, I never took them out on anyone in a terrible way, um, not in an abusive way, but... But uh, there were times when my children would ask me things, and and I was so conflicted in myself that I'd go, I don't know, I don't, you know, <laughs> I wasn't exactly a bastion of steadiness and wisdom. Um, and my kids ran me ragged a little bit at times, you know, and and you know, I wish I could have been more like Donna Reed or so. But you know, I was who I was, and both my sons are good men very good fathers they they care passionately about who they are in the world so i guess i didn't mess them up too badly you know um they credit me with lots of good things in their lives i i tend to see the things that i i didn't do well enough but they tend to see the things i did do well enough so it's like okay all right i'll take that mm-hmm. that's a blessing danielle what what were your thoughts about gloria's book and and what questions do you have for her well you know um and it's funny that it's a coincidence I was figuring about the teens because I have two teenage boys myself. And um, I like the little uh, excerpt in there that says, Attention teens, are you tired of being told what to do by your parents and teachers? Move out now and pay your own way while you still know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think I'm going to type that up and um, put it in both of my uh, children's rooms. But, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, do you have any um, advice or life lessons that you might want to share uh, with the raising of your teenage boys? Oh, the raising of teenage boys. Um, I would say, no, this too shall pass. Um, (laughs) Pick your battles. That's something somebody told me. And I'm sure you remember in the book when Brennan came and said he wanted to dye his hair blonde and straighten it and pierce his ear and have an earring, which the school took care of. They wouldn't let him him Mm -hmm. wear his, he went and got his ear pierced, and then they wouldn't let him wear it. He came home complaining about his constitutional rights. (laughs) 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 But, uh, you know, you have to, with teenagers, you have to pick your battles. Um, Safety is probably the first one. Um, some responsibility, you you know, in order to enjoy your privileges, you have to take care of your responsibilities. And um, and it, it, the rest of the time, just try to enjoy them for who they are and roll your eyes when they're just a little off kilter. But <laughs> most everything turns out okay. Um, most everybody's children grow up um when we can finally accept that we can't protect them from everything and anything, um, we can only do we're, we're re- really only shepherds, you know, mm-hmm. and um, there are going to be some wolves out there, and we can just keep with the you know little rod, thy rod and thy staff, you know, get over here, no, 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 don't go that way, no, 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 come back over here, you know, um, we just do the best we can and and uh, say a prayer now and then. <laughs> You're listening to the World Footprints Radio Book Club, and we're talking with actress Gloria Loring about her new book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. And we're also joined by listener reviewers Nicole Doig-Battle, Danielle Johnson, and Deborah Sadeth. 
Gloria, I, you know, you've talked a, a couple of times about, um, you've hinted about, you know, your interest in writing this book. You, that preceded the actual publication, and you looked at writing this book 20 years, 12 years earlier. How different would that book have been from the one we have in our hands today? Oh, it would have been lacking in the depth and, and wisdom because there were things I had to live through um, in order to be able to share them. And the more I lived uh, in the awareness that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous, um, the more information and depth I gathered about it. Um, I recommend, um, you know, I've, I've taught yoga and I've taught meditation and I have counseled a number of women who were sexually abused as children um, just as friends, just, you know, because they came to me. You know, we resonate with each other. We recognize each other. Um, and, and I just know that um, we can start to watch, you know, some people will say, oh, I, I can't meditate. My mind is too busy with thoughts. And Yeah, but we can start to listen to what comes out of our mouth. And um, I've helped people, friends, become aware of their saying things like, well, you know, it's not going to, nothing turns out well for me anyway. And I say, excuse me, wait a second, wait a second, what did you just say? Nothing turns out well. And I've helped them turn that around to discover what, what in ancient Sanskrit is called a, a mantra. A mantra is a series of words that protects the user. And some of them are very sacred mantras. Um, in the Christian tradition, we have the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. That's a mantra. Those are words that protect the user. Um, all traditions have mantras, series of words. We can find our own in a very practical way. Um, one thing that, uh, one mantra that works for me in a, in a very English practical way is when things seem to be going wrong, I will say to, I will say stop. All things work together for good. Mm-hmm. And that's my, those are my words that protect my mind from going too far astray and, oh, but then, and then it will go to catastrophe and nobody and nothing and, you know, because I, I have that tendency just as much as anybody does. It's just now I recognize it real quickly, like, like in a minute, in a half a minute, whereas it used to take me days. I would start to feel depressed and I'd feel grief-stricken and, and then I'd realize that someone had said something to me that had incited an ancient childhood understanding of nothing I do is good enough. I'm all alone in the world. No right. one understands me. I'm invisible. You know, these terrible personal myths that we gather. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us gather great myths, too. Uh, mine was, I'm talented, and when I sing, everybody loves me. But then I had these deep, dark ones that didn't get unearthed until I started into meditation practice. And it's like delving down into the deeper levels of spirit. And in order to get down to our original self, that unencumbered self we brought into this life, that that true self of, of, of a baby, you know when you look in a baby's eyes, how clear they are? Mm-hmm. How they just giggle and laugh? That's our original self. And then stuff happens along the way. And for some of us, it's very traumatic stuff that causes us to put up walls and, and veils and protections, right? Um, and and then we think that that's how all of life is because we never get to heal from those childhood understandings. But it's never too late to turn that around. And using words that protect your mind and protect your heart can be very valuable. Mm. 
I, I, you know, I knew when we were chatting, e-chatting and, and talking and arranging this interview that 30 minutes would never be enough time because there's so many stories there that um, we haven't even scratched the surface with. And uh, ladies, I, I appreciate everybody um, for, for joining us today. Um, Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous is a beautiful testament to the power of divine intervention in the human spirit. And if you want to continue on the inspirational journey that Gloria Loring has provided us today, we have a link to her book on our website at worldfootprints.com. And while there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on your favorite social network. We're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today on this literary journey. And, Gloria, thank you so much for generously sharing with us your life story and, and also to our uh, panel of listener reviewers, Nicole Doy battle Danielle Johnson, and Deborah Suttis, for helping to foster an engaging conversation. Um, and I'd also be remiss if I didn't say a special thank you to the man behind the scenes, my husband and co-host, Ian And if anyone would like to join World Footprints Book Club uh, as a listener reviewer, please email us at bookclub at worldfootprints.com. George Martin once said that a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads only lives one. So join us next time as we experience another life in a new world through a writer's pen on the next World Footprints Radio Book Club. And until we meet again... Happy reading. This has been a presentation of World Footprints Media, all rights reserved. One of a kind works of art. MauiFishHooks.com Ancient Hawaiians crafted fish hooks to feed their families. Today, fish hooks are worn as jewelry to symbolize respect for cultural traditions with a promise of good fortune. With that respect for tradition and a promise of good fortune, Maui Fish Hooks creates the most beautiful ivory fish hooks imaginable, refined to a standard that is unequaled. MauiFishHooks.com, one of a kind works of art. MauiFishHooks.com